Welcome to the Principal's Office Podcast, where we believe that the principal's job is the most interrupted job on the planet, and creating a clear and cohesive plan is the best way to improve your school. I'm your host, Dr. Tom Miller. I'm the founder of Leaders Building Leaders, and it's my goal each week to introduce you to new strategies and initiatives that are improving schools across the country. You're going to learn leadership principles that are going to help you accelerate your growth, build your teams, and execute on those goals so you can exceed those expectations of the communities that you aim to serve. If you want to learn more about what we do, you can go to our website at lbleaders.com. But for right now, enjoy this episode. Thanks for listening. Welcome, welcome, everybody. I just muted you on your side just in case we can get uh, started here, but you'll have a certain chance to unmute yourself. And um, and again, if this is your first live session with us, welcome to the call. If uh, this is your first archive lesson with us, welcome to the archives, wherever you are. Be safe. If you're walking, that's great. If you're driving, make sure you pay attention to the road, everybody. Sometimes I like listening, and I have to remember that I'm actually driving and learning at the same time. So I I have to actually focus. I have driven past my exit many a times when I was listening to John Maxwell or other thought uh, leaders. So um, we're excited that you're part of this What Great Principles Do Differently journey. I had a lot of really great feedback from the first session, whether you were with us live. And I know it's tough sometimes to be here live, but I greatly appreciate everybody who, who sets their alarm and hits, hits yes at 4.30 Eastern time every Monday. So let some more folks in. Hey, Angela, and Robin's here, and perfect. So I would love to start off with what is uh, what's one thing from the first two chapters that either raised your awareness or just something you saw or did differently this week. If anybody would love to unmute yourself and share uh, one one thing you applied or one thing you changed or one thing you did differently based upon the first week, which was um, why look at great and um, it's uh, people, not programs. So I'll open it up. You can either put it in the chat box or Go ahead and unmute yourself, and I'll uh, I'll take the first piece here. The one thing that I did is I went back and I shared with you all five interviews that we did with high-performing North Carolina charter school leaders, and so hopefully maybe some of you took an advantage of listening to those. Uh, and one of my favorite uh, sessions is from Cheryl Turner. She's at Sugar Creek Charter School uh, in Charlotte, North Carolina, and she, and you know Cheryl tells a really great story about how when she was a younger uh, leader, younger in her uh, being the head of a school, and um, she, she had one particular staff member that was not coming along as quickly as she would have liked, but however, uh, she felt loyal, the person worked hard, and she ended up staying with this uh, person and ended up you know, creating a significant uh, uh, you know, challenge for her in the future. Um, similar if you've heard my story about shovel the pile when it's small. And so she, she said she realized on that day that the first time that somebody shows you who they are, they mean it, right? The first time that someone, you know, shows you their true colors as a human being, you have to address it. 
and you have to uh, take swift action on whatever that issue might be. Because if you don't, if you do not do that, um, you, you will be the person uh, paying the price um, down in the long road, as well as all of the students that they serve. So it's always just a reminder you know, to me to uh, address your know, problems as soon as you see them, to remove the, pebble, remove the pebble from your shoe. If you listened to my rant earlier today, if not, maybe you'll catch it later. I had a little rant about the pebble in the shoe. Uh, you have to, you know, you have to just remove that. And if you want to be great, um, if you want to be great, and if you want to live the most empowered life, you have to make sure you're surrounding yourself with the people uh, who want you to be as, as successful as you do for them. So that was my big takeaway from rereading uh, Whitaker's first couple of chapters. Now I gave you all some think time. Who's got something that they would love to add to the group? All right, everybody. You you know you can't leave me out here by myself, Mary Majors. You, you know I will I will get down and start doing some push-ups or calisthenics here to get other people to uh, participate. There's only so much I can carry on my own, everybody. So all right, well let's move to chapter three. Chapter three is uh, developing an accurate sense of self, right? And and this is such an important uh, chapter, as they all are, right? But it's an important principle to understand is that everyone, including principles, would like to be held in high regard by others. But great principles would rather be respected than liked and worked accordingly to earn that respect. We've all heard principles say, my door is always open, right? Now, what should this look like in practice? for uh, principals who are sincerely interested in interacting with teachers at the school. Now, I always used to say I had an open door policy and there was many times that I would be surprised that when my boss or supervisor would say, well, somebody has an issue with you but they're afraid to come and talk to you, whatever that may be. And I always assumed myself as being this very charming, easy to get along with Grace, right? Easy to get along with uh, person, but we all know that's not true, uh, right? But I always thought that I was there for the people that I was serving, that I was working hard specifically for them. But there was something about me, and um, there still is at times, there's something about me that, you know, deters individuals from coming to me, right? There's something that I still, you know, give off uh, personality-wise at times. Um, that creates these these issues, which you know creates gaps in the in 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 my leadership, right? So, how can an effective open door uh, policy help principals develop an accurate sense of self? And I'm going to say, remove your open door uh, policy and just start an open ear policy. <laughs> start start leading by walking around. And it wasn't until I understood between the, you know, the praise and proximity that I was teaching the teachers, I was like, oh gosh, this is the same model for, for a school leader, right? The more that you're engaged with the people that you serve and the people that are closest to the action, the more you're going to learn about real challenges and issues, the more you're going to build relations, the more you're gonna understand the people for who they are, 
and maybe most importantly, understand the true current reality of your organization's current success. Now, I just had this example hit me in the face. Uh, July of 2020, I was hired to uh, be the head of a school, of a charter school that had lost its entire administrative staff uh, in a very short period of time. So I was, I was from the head of school, I was the finance director, I was one of the principals, uh, and I was replacing every other administrative spot during that time. Now, at the head of school, you know, I worked to empower other people and put them in positions of success. And the school, you know, opened up on time and we hired a head of school. And, but over the next you know, couple of months, as I moved down the org chart, right? I was no longer the head of school. I was just maybe the middle school principal for a while, or I was just a finance director. It wasn't until I was actually the exceptional children's director, which was five months into my, into my um, work with the school, that I actually was close enough to the action on a daily basis to truly understand the root causes of some of the school's issues, right? And so sometimes you have to be very careful and conscious about how far as a leader you separate yourself from the action. I think it's critical that we've talked about spending the majority of your time with the top 20% of your organization, but it doesn't mean that you completely ignore the rest of the 80%. You still have to lead by walking around. You still have to get into classrooms. You still have to ask questions. You still have to climb over the shoulder of a student and actually look at the work that they're doing, whether it's work on the computer or work on paper, and then look at what the teacher's trying to teach and be like, is this working? Is this aligning? Being great's a choice. And that's something that I've learned more over the last three years than any time in my life, that everything you do is a choice. And the truly great uh, principles that I have had the privilege of, you know, working under or, you know, working with, they understand that everything in the organization is their responsibility. And they have this amazing image, what they want that to look like. And they communicate it and they inspect on it every day and they challenge people to get to it on a daily basis. And I love what Whitaker talks about as the ice cream truck, right? I mean, what a great analogy. We all love the ice cream, man. What was your favorite thing to get from the ice cream man? Everybody quick in the chat box. What was your favorite, your favorite thing to get from the ice cream man? And my son said he likes the, um, it's the, uh, it's like the rocket popsicle or whatever it was. He has, I just found this, I just cleaned our garage and he, and he, he has a dollar 50 exactly in quarters hiding in like the corner of all of his hockey stuff or if he hears that ice cream man. Now, now the ice cream man actually comes since the summer, but he doesn't know that. He's ready to go with this rocket uh, popsicle thing. I don't know. It's got like a gumball or something inside. I have no idea. Superman with a gumball. I love it. Orange, orange pusher. I love it. Barb. Yeah. So, but this understanding of the ice cream, you know, truck, right? That the ice cream, you know, truck realized that not all the parents that they were in charge of food shopping, right, would buy the favorite ice creams for the kids. <laughs> so I'm going to bring it to you. And that's what the ice cream truck does. But that's what you have to do as a leader. Is you have to be so reliable, just like the ice cream truck, in getting around to your classrooms, asking those three really important questions of your uh, staff, right? 
the three questions to employee retention. Remember what they were, everybody? How are you doing? What are you working on? And how can I help? I challenge you tomorrow, if you haven't asked that question of your staff in a very authentic, true way, how are you? Just watch the looks on their face. Not, hey, how you doing? It's, hey, how are you? Like, stop them. How are you? Is there anything that I can help you with? They're going to go, uh, uh, oh, well, uh, thanks for asking. Not right now. But just watch. Watch their body language when you ask that question. So I'd love to hear your thoughts as you were thinking about the ice cream man, reading this first section of chapter three about developing an accurate sense of self, you know, between the open door policies and how we have to have self-awareness in order to be effective leaders. What were some of your thoughts? Go ahead, Shelly. You can, you can unmute yourself. You don't have to raise your hand. Okay, thanks, Tom. Um, I, I just had a, a thought about the whole open door um, policy, not so much about the actual open door, because I get a lot of staff that, you know, come in pretty regularly. It's more about when you said if people aren't coming and, like, there's something that's um, either we're putting off or communicating. And I, I only – I hesitate – with that one because I think it's going to be based on different relationships and different situations that you've had to have with certain people. Like I can name several, you know, a handful at least that would do everything but come in and talk to me about something and not because, um, well, I should say mainly because I've either had to address situations. So, which naturally is going, no matter how diplomatic and speaking with truth and grace, no matter how that goes, there's always that propensity that they're going to see me through a different lens and therefore not really want to come and get advice or speak to me. So I try to weigh that out and balance it with like, what's the majority thinking and feeling and how are they communicating with me? And I'm not, I've just not been one to sort of spend my energies on that, you know, three to 10% that you're not going to change their view of me anyway until they take off a different set of glasses. Does that make sense? Sure, it does. And I think it's just important to identify who's, who's you know, coming to you and what are they coming to you for, right? And that's why sure. you have to make sure that you're intentional about leaning in and asking your best uh, people, how am I doing? What's it right. like to be led by me? Like, what's really happening out there? You know, I'm trying. And then if you hear of uh, people that are like um, going around you for information, you just, you know, can address it. Say, you know, I happen to hear that you are asking a question about X. Did you get your answer? And I'm really curious, how come you didn't come to me for that? Yeah, yeah exactly. And, and I definitely have those conversations. Yeah. And it's very possible, you know, one of the lessons uh, that I do is about how being busy is the death of a leader. And so a lot of times, if you hear your staff say, you know, I would have come to you, but I know how busy you are. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to bother you. And you've got some feedback. I'm just going to mute for a sec. 
you know, I don't want to bother you because I know how busy you are. Well, when you're busy, you're losing information and you're losing critical information. So you just want to be conscious of that. So I'm not, you know, giving anybody a, a directive. Just be very conscious of where are you getting your information from? Who are you asking questions to? Uh, because who you learn from matters, right? If you're only getting the bulk of your information from some of your, uh, you know, lower skilled or lower um, equipped uh, teachers, that's not going to help you. Uh, you want to make decisions based upon your best uh, teachers. Because I love what we're going to talk about next is, you know, what you know Whitaker talks about is that Thank you. Um, um, ineffective teachers also have um, have high have high expectations, right? And and but the difference is is how an effective teacher closes the gap <laughs> on the expectations uh, when uh, compared to an ineffective teacher. But this is the same thing that he talked about with the principal. He said, you know, what does Whitaker find interesting about the surveys that the teachers and the principals uh, completed? And I thought it was fascinating when he said that that the that the ineffective uh, principals or the leaders of these ineffective schools or these schools that weren't uh, performing as high had. You know, basically the same results in their self-assessment as the leaders of effective schools, and the and the difference was what their what their teachers and what their staff said about them. So I'm super curious. Does anybody have any sort of 360 reflection that they do um, with their with their people? So anyway, like how do you get feedback, like unbiased feedback from your staff? We do a, a push out like in the mid, 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 middle of the year and then at the end of the year, just a Google form for feedback, um, even as simple as what are we doing well, uh, what do we need to do better, and we kind of break it into categories as both my uh, AP, myself, uh, what's going well at school, what needs to be better, and we let it be anon anonymous and we tell them if there is something specific and you want your name attached to it, then you're welcome to do that so we can follow up on something. But other than that, it can be completely anonymous. And we, and we tell them, we take that to heart. Like she and I sit down together and look at that and she's on here. Um, she might can add to this, but um, we, we take it to heart. I'm not gonna say sometimes it doesn't hurt your feelings a little bit and think I didn't know that. But then <laughs> once you discuss it and, and kind of get past that and think, all right, well, if they see that and that's their perception, then what can we do to, uh, maybe make that better. And I think follow-up is a huge piece of that. When we talk about an open door policy, it's not just about being accessible and being available. It's when a teacher needs something that I don't drop the ball, that I follow up on that. And I feel like that's as important in that whole piece. So. I love that, Tammy. Yeah, right, closing that loop and, and, the, and the riches is always in the follow-up, right? So the riches in terms of like the information you get and the closure that you uh, create by making sure that someone knows that you went that extra mile, right? That you closed that conversation. I think he talks a little bit more about that maybe in the next you know, chapter about when he asked that really highly effective teacher, like how do I handle, um, you know, kids being sent to the office, right? I think that was part of the conversation. But what a really great point, right? There's so many times that we as leaders will, um, you know, in a nonchalant way, but a passive aggressive way, dismiss 
when somebody comes to us about a low level problem, right? Or something that we think that they should be able to address. Like we look at it as a nuisance. But what I've learned the hard way is that if, if we're not being communicated to, right? Leaders who, you know, find themselves, um, <laughs> uh, you know, if you don't listen, basically, you will find yourself surrounded by a lot of people who don't have anything to say. And you're going to be on this lone ranger type, like, you know, mission <laughs> to turn the school around or to move it forward or something that you need really important. But those little things that you didn't do for those individuals uh, can, you know, creep up. And as you're trying to push a big initiative through, you're not going to get, you know, their best, right? So one of the things that we didn't really talk about last week was the relationship compass. And remember that if everybody in your life, you're at a different point in your, in your relationship compass. And there's some, you know, folks that will follow you anywhere, right? And they're the ones that you've built relation, that you've gained their permission to lead them. And then there's the some that will just do the bottom line, right? They'll just do the bare minimum of what you're trying, you know, to get done so they don't lose their job. And I remember uh, Liz Wiseman, she's a, um, or I think it was her, Liz Wiseman had shared that, you know, in every organization, you almost have like a 25-50-25 look at it, almost think of like a bell curve. And she said, there's 25% of the people that will do anything you ask them to do, right? They are your true followers. And then there's 25% of the people that are completely against everything you want to do. No matter what, they're going to try to not, you know, make it work. And she said, your job as a leader is to keep those people in the middle as far away from the bottom 25 as possible, right? It's always, because they haven't made up their mind yet, right? So you're just always trying to keep them at least leaning to the top and not, going down, you know, to the bottom. And, and I didn't understand that as a first and second year, you know, director. And I had this really good, skillful politician in my organization that was like rallying, you know, the troops. And it just seemed like every initiative that I tried would, would just fail. Um, and it was really because I had, I had zero relationship uh, with her and I hadn't made a great attempt. Right. And I, I, I thought that having a title having a title was, was enough. And it's not, right? It's not that people will only do the bare minimum for you. So any other thoughts on the ice cream man or um, open door policies, open ear policies, leading by walking around? Um, I would love to hear your best uh, strategy for a faculty meeting. It's like, how do you, how do you lead effective uh, staff meetings? What are some of your, your best strategies, everybody? So one of the things that uh, we started doing was having, um, we start the meeting off with um, examples of excellence. And that's where we um, communicate maybe some things that we've seen happening in classrooms, um, maybe people who, um, uh, staff members, um, not teachers who have done some things above and beyond. And so we, each of um, myself and my two assistants take um, the time to do that um, we each pick two each meeting and then they also get a candy bar and um, one of the things that happen when you talk about the ice cream truck and having your doors open is that the staff share with me uh, my meetings were always have always been jam-packed never have enough time to do everything I want to do um, is that they want to be able to ask questions 
and um you know we would i would do my thing do my thing do my thing get to the end and it's like okay it's time for them to go and so i put questions right after the um, examples of excellence and i give it 10 minutes and um, what we started doing was we send a um, form to them the day before so that they can send us their questions and then i can answer those questions um, during that time period and then i move on with the rest of my meeting um, i know a lot of people don't like zoom or google meet meetings but one of the things that I really like about it is that I can put people into breakout rooms. Um, and it's different from the tables that they normally sit in with their group of people that they always hang around and so on and so forth. So that's one of the things I really like about it. But um, that's one, two of the things that I've done differently with regards to my staff meetings. So you're giving them a chance to be heard. I love that. And you're celebrating a small win. So going back to the excellence piece, Robin, is there like something that, uh, is it aligned to school goals, school initiatives, core values, or is it just anything that they, that they see? So at this point, it is not aligned to any of those things. And that's one of the things that as we move into next year, um, I want to align it to what our focus is for the year, whatever that instructional focus is, or whatever our building focus is um, with regards to maybe some of our PBIS stuff and so on and so forth. Yeah, I love it. Okay, that's some great strategy. Thanks, Robin. Robin, remind me what uh, school and what uh, state you're from. I'm sorry. So I'm in Ohio, and I am at um, a school in suburban Cleveland called Willoughby South. Okay. I love it. Thank you. I love it. Ohio. All right. Perfect. And Tammy, you're from Texas, right? Is it Texas, Tammy? No. Uh, no, I'm actually from I, Central Arkansas. Oh, you're from Central Arkansas. Okay, great. Sorry. That's okay. of Texas. I've never, I've never really been to either, so I can't wait to visit both. Or Ohio. I really haven't been to all three of those things, to be honest. I've just driven through. That's not the same as actually being there. Who else has a meeting strategy? Anybody else have something from their meeting strategies? Tom, I was uh, thinking about when I read through this book, the, um, I, I read a lot of body language, and I am like that ice cream truck. I get out in the morning when I was principal and would go from room to room, and that kind of builds my day because you get a feel from just going to each room and asking those questions that you said how how may i help you today but you get the real thing you're as close to the action as possible and that's where you get your good ideas from the people uh, I've, I've learned that people think that i can pull things together but it really isn't me i'm using those best teacher ideas and the people that I can go to and bring it back. And if I'm in a staff meeting and I see that they're all rigid and they're so tired that they've just had a day that's bonkers, I don't mind closing that meeting up and say, we'll take this up at home unless it's, you know, deathly essential. And a lot of times as a principal, I think you do better by just getting the 
kind of like the teacher does, you know, with the kids. Give me a thumbs up or a thumbs down. I could go to Grace Merkel, who's on the air, say, Grace, how did I do in that meeting? She will be honest. She will tell me. All those surveys that you take, I did one at Fort Bragg schools at 363 thing, and they made me sound like I was just fabulous. I don't think it was honest at all. I came here and they did the North Carolina Teachers Working Condition Survey, which was totally anonymous, but we had 100% participation. They really told where my weaknesses were. That was really good. And so I, I, that's it. That's good stuff, Mary. Yeah, Mary Majors is. Uh... Anderson Creek Academy. Yeah, I mean, using those outside tools to really get a, a real clear understanding of, of, of the current reality, I think. Um, I think it's such a, a brilliant idea and it takes guts and it takes courage to sometimes put yourself out there, but you have to, if you want to get better as a leader and you have a growth mindset, you have to ask uh, people how, you know, what's it like to be led by me across the table and make it safe. Uh, two or three things I just want to bring to you. Uh, I'm going to start adding more resources into your what great what great principles do uh, differently page. So one of the resources I well, two of them I added in there was the rule of five, and this was a lesson that I did about how leaders can understand like the five most important things that they should do every day, and that's based upon the 80-20 principle, and that's that 80% of your problems come from 20% of your issues. So you got to focus your time on those you know 20%, right? What are they so that you can solve those? those other pieces, or 80% of your outputs come from 20% of your input. So if I understand what those most important things that I should be doing as a leader every day, and part of that obviously is walking through, asking questions and uh, developing people, um, and you would you know, create your own. The second resource that I added in there is how to lead effective meetings. And this comes from Patrick Lanchoni's uh, book, Death by a Meeting. And I put a process in there uh, to have the four most important, um, you know, meetings, the daily meeting, the weekly tactical, uh, the uh, strategy meeting, and the uh, quarterly offsite, which really can help you uh, streamline your meetings, make sure that the most important information is uh, communicated and they're, um, you know, effective and on time. Because I don't know if you've ever done the math, but I challenge schools when I work with them is, what's the cost of your meeting? The entire staff, and you put them in a room together, or in a Zoom together, for an hour, how much does it actually cost in your payroll? And are you getting that return on investment of that time, right? So just think of your leadership team meetings. You know, as your leaders are sitting around and if there's no agenda and it's not on point and you're not really getting great execution and uh, strategy out of it, like what's that costing you in time um, as, as an organization? So those are just some more you know, strategies that you'll have access to um, on that page. I'll I hope anybody's ever read Death by a Meeting. So, but it's a great book. Uh, so my call to action for you, based on this chapter, was to schedule a meeting with your top 20% uh, staff and get feedback on your leadership. And the sample question might be as easy as, what's it like to be led by me? So let's roll into chapter four, who is the variable? And we've covered a lot of these parts, right? So I wanna make sure that this is the best use of your time because this is for you, it's not for me. Um, so if you have any uh, specific questions that you want to address, either put them in a chat box or if there's a part here that you want to talk about. But um, 
you know, we all could probably identify who are the teachers, right, that have the most discipline issues, the ones who, you know, we have the most, you know, challenges with. And it was interesting, this kind of came up in a conversation during our uh, principal's inner circle today, is um, a lot of teachers, right, a lot of schools are, are you know, are making their summer school plan or their credit recovery plan or whatever those things might be. And it was interesting, a couple of the schools said, gosh, we've had a lot of teachers apply to be our summer school, our credit recovery teachers. I said, yeah. I said, what's their current record right now? How well are their students performing in this crisis? Our students, do they have the highest attendance rate of class or the lowest? Do they have the highest rate of missing assignments or the lowest? Because for me, if I'm going to invest in a summertime program, I'm going to pay more teachers. I'm definitely not going to pay the ones that are volunteering who aren't getting the job done now. <laughs> so just be conscious of that. It was interesting. I just you know, challenged those leaders to go back and see, like, what, how are their kids currently doing? Because it's interesting what he said here about how, you know, ineffective teachers, ineffective teachers, also have very high expectations for their students, just like effective teachers do. But the difference is that gap, right? How, how, they, how they build relationships, how they work with those students to close you know, that gap. And understanding that you as the head of the school are fully 100% responsible for the climate. And, and so one of the other resources that I added in here was, was this recent lesson I just did. I did a keynote in Colorado on school culture by design. So I'm going to put, I'm going to add that into your session. I'm going to mute everybody here. Let's see what we got here. Something's going on. All right. That's, hey, Sarah, can you mute yourself on your side? For some reason, it keeps getting unmuted. There we go. All right, sorry about that, everybody. All right, um, if you want to share, just raise your hand and put it in the chat box, and I'll unmute you until I can fix this a feedback problem. Um, so, oh, I lost my train of thought. Oh, climate, right? Fully responsible for the climate. And during the school culture design uh, um, a keynote that I did, you know, we had talked about that the head of the school, the principal, the leader of the organization, is 100% fully responsible for the climate, right? And Mary just, you know, talked about it, that the teacher's working conditions gave her evidences of, of, of the climate, right? Because the culture is this much larger um, aura of, you know, the school, right? The culture is what we do things around here. But climate are the erosion, right? It's the, it's the, it's the uh, potential changers. It's the, it's the schedule change. It's the snow day. It's the hurricane day. It's the, it's the teacher that comes in with a bad attitude, right? You know, it's the substitute. Like these are little things that slowly erode away on, on your culture. And the best way to change the culture is you've got to change the climate. And, 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 and students are the constant in every school. But the teachers are the variable, right? The adults that are closest to the action are the variable. So when the students of our best teachers fail, these, uh, these uh, teachers blame themselves, right? So how does this concept of accepting responsibility apply for school principals? 
You are 100% responsible for everything, but you are not required to do it all. You physically can't. So stop trying, everybody. And this is the one thing that I see where uh, that is causing uh, the turnover rate in, in leadership is, you know, principals uh, not learning how to um, empower, right? Whether it's not, you know, trusting or they're not surrounded by people, whatever it may be, but not being really clear on what it is that you want achieved and who you can put in charge of that to be able to do that exercise. And as a result, and I'm 100%, you know, uh, to blame here, I did this myself, is we work massive amount of hours. And we spend more time almost resenting our work. And when we resent, it creates resistance. And resistance creates revenge. And this is the number one reason why small businesses fail. If you don't know, like 80% of small businesses fail within five years. And I also believe that it's the number one reason why the why the leadership turnover is 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 so high that it's 2.7 years here in North Carolina because the job is really, really hard. And there's only so much weight that one person can carry. So when I look at this, who is the variable piece, the best school leaders have learned how to effectively empower their best teachers and employees ones that they know that will take any project from here to there and hold it as it's their own, right? They will also take that responsibility for the, you know, whether it's learning or the MTSS, you know, a process where it's testing and accountability, I mean, you know, whatever these things are that just wear away at the school year to be, you know, effectively able to do their job. Like, as I just kept, you know, thinking about and reading Todd's words, I just kept thinking about who were the best principles I know, and how do they play uh, chess rather than checkers with their most, with their highest, with their most like effective employees, right? And we're so used to like uh, treating everybody as like a, you know, like a pawn. They move from here to there versus when you're playing the game of chess, every different player has different strengths and movements that they can, you know, put into play. So um, if anybody wants to raise their hand here, I'll, I'll hit the, uh, I'll let you guys allow yourselves to unmute again. But talk to me about this uh, chapter, who is the variable? And, and especially with Todd Whitaker, when he's talking about, you know, school culture here, you know, being the worst uh, behavior tolerated, like how do you ensure high standards and how do you close the gap with all of your teachers. And Mary's got a great uh, message here about, uh, she said the way Whitaker describes poor teachers was, was interesting. You said they have high expectations, but lower expectations for themselves. Yeah, that's a, that's a big you know, part of it, right? Self-limiting self beliefs. We run our Teacher Leader Academy, which you know, some of you have had some of your teachers go through. And it's always interesting, the first day we talk about the definition of what leadership is, all right? And, and a lot of the, a lot of the uh, teachers, even though they were handpicked by the principals to come to this Teacher Leader Academy, will say, I'm not really sure why I was uh, chosen. 
which is important that when you know people are sitting around the table from you as part of the meeting, like a big part of the meeting, you know, Robin was, you know, sharing her, you know, strategies for the meeting. One important part of every meeting is validating the people that you ask to sit at the table with you. When I do retreats, you know, for leadership teams in the summertime, I say, hey, besides getting the email from your, from your principal, why are you here? And, you know, many times they're either like afraid to say why they think they're there, right? They don't want to boast or brag on themselves. Give me a yes in the chat box if you've seen this, if you've seen these self-limiting behaviors by some of your best teachers, yeah. And it's no good, right? This, this mind is very cunning. And if we don't, we don't think of ourselves as, you know, successful only on rare occasions, like we need to validate the variable and who they are. We need to tell our best who they are and why they're the best, right? Hey, I invited you because you have such an amazing eye for detail. I invited you because you're so good at building relationships. I, you know, I invited you because you're just, you're just so good at, you know, problem solving. And I invited you because, you know, you just keep the meeting on time and you do such an amazing job. I mean, whatever it is, like validate the people around you so they know and understand their role to the goal but also be very clear about, hey, this is our agreed upon commitment when it comes to student achievement and student mastery and our instructional methods and what we're trying to get to as, as, an, as a learning organization. You know, the last time I checked the purpose of school was learning, academic learning, emotional learning, physical learning, spiritual learning, all those aspects. Thanks, Lindsay, Barbara, and Robin. Yeah. So that'd be a good thing, right? Validating people tomorrow and tell them, tell them why they're great. Put a little post-it. Give them a post-it note. I still have dozens of, of post-it notes um, from a colleague, positive post-it notes from 20 years ago when I was a teacher. Everybody loves getting a handwritten note. You just don't do it as much anymore. It's too easy to text people, right? So making sure people know and understand that, that they are the reason those effective teachers are truly the reason, but they don't always know why they're the reason. So tell them why they're the reason. Praise the behavior you desire to see and you'll get more of it. So how do you all like, you know, I wanna learn from you, Grace and Martha and Robin and, you know, Barbara and. Mary, how do you build capacity? How do you build growth mindsets? Like, how do you have those conversations? How are you currently having those conversations? Or how have you learned not to have those conversations? To raise, to raise, the, raise the standards. To raise the working conditions. What are some things that you've tried that has worked? I sure don't mind the tie-in. I know I haven't done anything yet for fear that if I unmute my children in this room might start crying. So uh, this is, I'm we on love a it. 
we love it day today and I have a coworker, so I was trying to keep on mute but um, just when you were talking about giving uh, teachers the feedback just the specific feedback too I learned before I became an assistant principal in my academic coaching give tell them specifically what I liked about it don't just say you did a great job thank you for um, for what I saw today it was a great lesson but to actually say this was a great lesson because you were explicit in your instruction your goals were listed those kind of things I love that, Lindsay. I love it. Thank you so much. What's your little one's name? How old is she? Um, I have two little ones here. I'm here with, uh, I have one that's eight months old and her name is Riley. And then I have a three-year-old in this room also and her name is Shelby. And uh, Shelby, made, All right. uh, they're wanting to chime in, but I, I couldn't miss out on the book study today. I really enjoyed it. And I did my homework <laughs> ahead of time and I'm like, I'm going to listen in anyway. So. Well, cool. Well, great. Yeah. Well, we're so we're so happy you're here and I'm happy that you unmuted, but because you made really great points and sometimes it's just easier us to just say, Hey, great job. And, um, I'm reading the book, uh, the five love, the five love languages in the workplace. And I did the love, the love languages years ago with my wife, but there's a workplace uh, you know, book, right? And those words of affirmation are a big part of this, right? So if you're finding low morale in your organization or if you're finding, you know, you know, someone's down, like give them specific and positive praise. Um, so I've tried this with my daughter. She's uh, 13 and she put dishes away. And I started to say, good job. But I said, putting the dishes exactly where, you know, mom loves them right in that corner. Right. Or, you know, whatever it was. And she's like, well, I do this every day. I go, yeah, but I just want to let you know that really, I really appreciate you putting the dishes in the dishwasher. Right. I didn't say it with a sarcasm that I did there. Cause that's something I'm constantly working on. But just just little things, right? An extra seven to fifteen seconds of your time in in validating someone's behavior, you'd be surprised at how much you you'll see them stand up taller, right? And and do it again because now they want affirmation. And as an exceptional children's teacher, and I, you know, the school I was a principal at was a behaviorist model. Uh, Negative attention is way easier to get than positive attention. Just is. And we learn, right, our learned behaviors typically take us on a, on a negative path, not always a positive path. Because when we only have ourselves to learn from as models, we don't always get the best results, right? So making sure that you're doing a good job of praising everybody. <laughs> and in our teacher uh, feedback protocols, the expectation was four to one. It was always four positives to one redirection because that's what was expected in the classroom. And we tried to model our observation feedbacks to align to what we expected in the classroom. And sometimes that was hard to find four, right? But you got to do it, right? Because it helps you and it puts you in a better mindset as well as a leader. So... And Shelly said, I love the idea of validating others, specifically identifying what you appreciate about them. There's no time like the present to add value. That, that, that's an understatement, Shelly. Right there, you just nailed the whole time. There's no time like the present to add value to others. We have to take care of the people who take care of the kids. That's right. Because if you're not taking care of the people who take care of the kids, then it's going to be a really hard next three to six months for you, right? Because then not only are you dealing with low morale and a poor into the school year, but you're also going to be probably re replacing a lot of teachers if you work in an entity where it's easy to, you know, uh, transfer and go work somewhere else. So. One of the things, Lindsay. What are the, oh, okay. 
one of the things that, that um, I try to do all the time is just ask reflective questions, particularly when there's something that I want them to see for themselves and not for me to point out. Um, I think that is a really big um, piece of getting the, getting people to understand where they are instead of just saying you stink or your you know your method of talking to kids is bad um asking some reflective questions about how did you know johnny respond when you said it that way do do you think that you know and and ask them to to think about that so you know along with um what lindsay said i think the reflective piece um is a is a way to get people to begin to look at themselves a little bit. I love that, Robin. And if you all caught the word that Robin said, it's almost a bad word nowadays, think. And I'll tell you what, I mean, we need to go back to, to ensuring that we're teaching people how to think, not what to think, how to think. And so the more that we can ask the people that we lead questions, the better that they're going to be at being solution-oriented leaders. And that's gonna grow their capacity. Um, so you can lead people just by asking questions, just like Robin just said. So I don't have to tell them that they didn't nail that lesson. I could ask two or three questions and I'm gonna get them to their truth. Not, I don't need them to come to my truth. I need them to come to their truth that they did not execute at the level that they know that they can. Because if I told them that they didn't execute, I've just lost them. I've lost a little bit more change from my pocket with my credibility with them. Very great, great job, Robin, bringing that up. Ask questions. To just, I used to challenge my leaders to don't even, don't even make a statement for, you know, 48 hours. Just turn everything that you're about to say into a question. <laughs> and you can't ask why questions either, because why, because why uh, questions get, you know, people's backs up, you know. It's almost like accusatory. And if you haven't been in any cognitive, you know, coaching or going through a coaching training uh, program, I highly recommend everybody does. We've got one, a, a coaching skills for leaders. It's just a half day workshop, but it, it's, it's a, it makes a significant difference on your ability to get the best out of people. If you can ask them questions rather than directing them what to do. That's awesome. Great job, Robin. So we've got some uh, positive praise. We've got some asking questions. Is there anything else that you've done to, to grow uh, capacity in others, everyone? I think another one that, um, that I have done is force leadership a little bit. Um, people, you know, teachers, I, they, are, they are the worst. They do not like to be leaders of their peers. You know, you've got that one or two who thinks they, you know, know everything and the right thing about everything. But in general, teachers don't like to lead their peers. And so trying to, um, in, in, you know, force, in quotes, um, teachers to be on leadership teams so that they can begin to have their voices heard um, and see what other people are doing, you know, get a feel for what else is happening besides what's going on in their classroom. I think that makes a difference as well. Yeah. One of the great uh, strategies I embedded in some schools was called a critical friends group. And it was an opportunity for other teachers to go observe in, you know, groups of three um, in other uh, classrooms. 
Um, and that was just another way, right? It wasn't driven. It wasn't leadership, you know, driven. It was, I, you know, I want to grow. And it was peer-to-peer um, uh, support uh, for each other. And I really enjoyed those, you know, initiatives. So you're right. Yeah. So anytime you can get them uh, seeing, you know, their peers in a voluntarily way, right? <laughs> in, a, in a way where it's about their growth, not say, hey, you should go see Mary Majors' class because she's really good at, you know, morning meeting and it's not really your strength, right? It says, hey, have you heard about anybody else? You know, you know what are some of your uh, challenges you're working on? Well, I wish morning meeting was, oh, okay. Well, would you be open to see another uh, teacher? Is there one that you know in the building that you are like? And sometimes they don't always pick who you want, but it's okay. They came to a truth to go see something, right? So the more that you can get them, that, you know, creates leadership. Um, and that, you know, it creates buy-in when they're the ones coming up with the solutions to solve the problems that you're trying to get them to do. And that's why I think like when he, when he talks about how do we effective and less effective principles react when faced with obstacles, it's really about, you know, growth mindset leaders, you know, leaders that are solution oriented, always, always focus on the opportunities. They just see things different. It's a big part of uh, perception. And I would imagine that was a massive challenge for a lot of leaders, turning their classrooms, you know, turning their schools from a brick and mortar. And that was one of the reasons why we uh, created our uh, principal mastermind groups was every single week to have nine or 10 other leaders to ask them, hey, well, what are you doing and what are you doing uh, to help them have the confidence to take that step uh, forward? Such, a, such an important part of the process is getting around other people. Um, who have done it before, right? Or, or, or who are in your same shoes so you can learn from and ask uh, questions um, is always a big part. So that goes back to your, you know, teacher leader groups, you know, Robin in your school having those questions. I love it. So I'm going to end with this one. Um, why do parents choose to send their children to a school that maybe just appointed a standing leader? There's a school here in uh, Durham, North Carolina that it's by far, and I'll, I'm going to brag on myself here, by far, it is the best job we've ever done at uh, consulting and school improvement and helping a school turn around. And this uh, particular school had been a, um, a failing organization, learning-wise, according to the state, for years, you know, really strong financially and had a great uh, reputation. And we uh, went in, and our solution was, Robin, was to hire the best school leader that I could find. And we hired this young man, his name's Alex Quigley. He's one of the, um, he's one of the podcasts I sent you all. And I haven't had him do a uh, podcast update. But in three years, and I don't know if everybody knows, you know, maybe we got some charter school folks on here or not. But in three years, he turned this school without really terminating or changing a staff uh, from an F to a C uh, to a school that had a year-by-year a year, uh, charter agreement to the fullest capacity agreement he could get, which is a 10-year agreement. They have a wait list and all these other pieces. And when people say, well, what was the magic formula to, to our work? I said, leadership. We just found the best leader for the job to go and take it over and do it. And so remember that, that the variable in your success, right, comes, comes down to your ability to lead other people. And so the more that you learn how to, how to lead other people, the more you lift your leadership lid, right, and grow your own personal capacity. That's why you're in this book study at 
525 Eastern time on a Monday after you just worked for 10 hours is because you have a hunger to grow. And you have to keep that hunger and you have to continue to identify who do I want to learn from? What are the most effective schools in my area or who can I get to, to, to who's, you know, trying to do the same thing I am, right? And, and so by, you know, getting into communities and asking questions and, and networking and learning, you know, from other people, that's why I'm always encouraging you guys to share, hey, what, you know, school you're from, what's your contact, is, you know, um, information, drop it in the, you know, chat box and say, hey, I'm, I'm in Arkansas too, I would love to come to see what you're doing or maybe, you know, we could hop on a Zoom call. We've got some of our schools where the teachers are zooming into other, um, you know, classrooms at other schools to see, like, how are you guys engaging your kindergarten, you know, so well, oh, let's just open up our Zoom and let's just show you. I mean, the more you can network and the more you can grow the capacity of the people in your, your organization, including you, because you are, the, you are the lid, remember? If you're a five out of 10 in leadership, your organization will never get above a four because they're going to be banging their head on you. Okay, and eventually they're going to go around you and just go somewhere else. So you grow yourself, learn how to grow that top 20% of your people, identify who are the key folks in your organization and validate them and tell them why they're good and you know, tell them where you see them in the future of the school's success and really, really start to build and you know, sustain uh, a long-lasting, a long, a long successful uh, strategy, because that's what's going to really improve your school is sustained success over time with a clear vision and um, and daily you know strategy to do that. So compare your school to other surrounding schools in the area. It doesn't matter if it's a private school, charter school, home school, district school. It doesn't matter. They're all great. They all have the same purpose: teach kids and identify any areas of which your school is underperforming when compared to that you know school. You know, how can you get better? How can you network with that other school? Um, so a few of the other resources I'm going to add into your link are the um, uh, strategic goal setting and uh, strategic planning as long as with the how to identify your uh, priorities and get your rule of five and the school culture and anything else that I could think of, I'm going to add to that sheet. <laughs> so um, Make sure this last piece is so important. Decide which items you can control as a principal and create a plan to improve your school's performance, right? And just find the person who's so good at that and go, this is yours. I'm gonna put you in charge of this. I'm gonna be with you the whole way, but you have full you know, autonomy, if you're allowed to do that, every school is different, but full autonomy to make this happen. And I'm going to model this, you know, for you, right? So I'm going to leave you with these five steps to multiplying leadership and five steps of empowering other people. Step number one is I do it and you watch me. I do it and you watch me. That's modeling. Step two is we do it as a team, right? We do it together as a team. That's collaboration. Step three is you do it. And I coach you, right? I'm there to support you. I'm there to help you through and your navigator, ask your questions. Step four is you do it alone. Now you've created independence with that person. And step five is you go have them go teach someone else how to do it. Now you've multiplied. Right? So everybody in your organization should learn how to multiply their leadership and start empowering the people beneath them to achieve certain goals. And anything that they're doing on their to-do list that doesn't 
take them to their goal, kill it. Take it out. Everything should have to fight for its life to get on your daily agenda as a leader. You have to teach everybody in your organization the same thing. If you're doing an activity that is not uh, taking us to our goal, to achieving our goal, then it's a waste of time. And there's only one way in this world that we're all equal, everybody, and that is how much time we have. We all have 168 hours in a week. Even if we travel to Arkansas and back and got that hour back, when we came back to North Carolina, we're still going to lose that hour back, right? It doesn't matter. Time's constant until time's up. So spend the time doing what you love how to do. Spend the time doing it with the people you love and focus on the right things. And you'll live a, a way more empowered life. So, whoo. You guys did great tonight. I love you all. Have a, oh, Robin has a question. Go ahead, Robin. Do you have another question? Go for it. Sorry. Yeah, I just had a quick question. You said that you're putting these references things. Are you putting them on the study guide? Because when I go to, to the mm. website link, I, I'm not sure where to go to find this, where you're adding okay. all this information. Yep. Let me, let me bring it up right now, and, I'm gonna, and, I'll, and I'll share my screen. How about that? Thank Let's you. Do that. Thanks. Great question. I meant to actually do that anyway and show everybody where, where, where I was putting it. All right. So every time that I send out, um, I'm going to replay that. Usually at the bottom is this link. It's this link to the site here. And at the and here's the study guide if you need to download it. If you haven't done it already. But so here's all. Um, here's last week's uh, session, Robin. And that's mm -hmm. a you know that's a video there. And then I've got some some shorter videos that I've done, and then I've added right here. So this say right here is hire the right person every time. So if you click on that, it should take you to the webinar that I did. Okay. And so you have access to that, right? And then um, let me see if I can get back to this page here. And then if I scroll down, again, here's the F360 leadership session. Okay. <laughs> The webinar was going off. That that one's on an autoplay. I will change that so it doesn't interrupt your lunch, whatever you're doing. Yeah, so I, I'm always going to put them in, in like the green box. Uh, okay. Robin. So pretty much in between here is where I will add them. Um, Thank you. You know, to that. Wasn't sure how else to how else to do it. So hopefully everybody's got that link and ready to go. Good to go. All right, everybody. Have a fantastic week. Take care of yourself. Right. Make sure you take care of you first. So you can take care of all the people around you. Because if something happens to you, God forbid, what is your organization going to do? So, all right, take care. Bye-bye.